0: Behold, listen to the rock gods! This is Mega Maker, episode 18! (gasps) Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Mega Maker. Well, it finally happened. After years of waiting... And days of anticipation. Last night, I experienced this for the first time. That, of course, is the sound of Iron Maiden live in Edmonton, Alberta, at the Coliseum. My first time seeing them live. And, man, I'm just still blown away. I'm actually blown away by Iron Maiden in general. They've been around since 1975. They've done over 2,000 live shows. They're, I think all the guys in the band are just as old as my dad. And to see them running around stage with so much energy, jumping down things and over things and twirling around the microphone stand, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So for this episode, I wanted to talk about what we can learn as creative people from these metal gods. This show explores the tension between creating art that you love and also making a living. And in this case, Iron Maiden has done that. They've done that for over 40 years. So these are my top five lessons that we can learn from Iron Maiden. Lesson number one, you have to create things that people want. And I realize that not everyone believes this. Uh, There are definitely some artists that say they only create for themselves, but most of us need to create things that people actually want, especially if you wanna make a living from the things you make. How do you figure out what people want? Well, one thing you do is you hang out with your target audience, day after day after day. What kinds of things are they into? What kinds of apps do they have on their phone? What kind of music are they listening to? What kind of things do they buy? Those are the kinds of things you're looking for. And as you allow yourself to soak in that context, you'll start to pick up on little hints of what people want and then you'll be able to create uh, art that meets that demand and this is how it worked for Iron Maiden they started in 1975 and the way they tell the story is their first gig they showed up and there was two people there the next gig they show up there's five people there the next gig they show up and there's ten people there folks kept telling other friends and inviting them to come to maiden shows. The music compelled them. The music was different and interesting and all these crazy time changes in it. And people would talk about it. That's how you know you have something that people want when they share it with their friends, when there's natural word of mouth. And this actually leads into lesson number two really well, which is once you figure out what people want, What you produce, the actual art you produce, has to be of good quality. If you make something that people want but isn't well-made, people might try it once, but they'll never tell their friends about it. All right, lesson number three. This one's important. In 1980, Iron Maiden had a problem. They were about to release their first full-length studio album, and the band's manager, Rod Smallwood recognized that they looked like just every other band at that time. They all had long hair. They all wore leather, tight jeans. And while the band had been able to attract a local following and people were responding to the music locally and they were telling their friends locally, he knew that for a national or international release, he had to make them unique in some way from all the other bands. And he found the answer in an illustration by Derek Riggs. It was something the band started calling Eddie the Head. And if you've never seen Eddie before, he's kind of like a zombie. Uh, He looks like he's maybe undead or something. He's appeared on all their album covers, and he was on almost all of their clothing. And if you were a kid in the 80s, and you saw Eddie on the cover of an album cover or on a t-shirt, you had to know what it was and you wanted one. Here's me describing the first time I saw one. I can remember being a kid in Canada, 1980s, and my friend Colin showed up to school wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt, and I wanted one so bad. And I think they were pretty religious household, so they, my parents went not let to get one. I got one when I turned 30, because you can do that when you're 30. <laughs> 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 uh, my parents still didn't like it. <laughs> Once you've made something, you need a way of distinguishing it from everything else that's in its same category. Think about beer snobs as much as they would like to say that they only, they only go after beers that they know are good or that have a good reputation. The truth is, when most people go into a beer store and they're going to buy craft beer, they look at the label first. What Rod Smallwood, Iron Maiden's manager, knew was that he had to figure out a way to get Iron Maiden above the noise, a way of distinguishing them from everyone else. And the way to do that is with uniqueness. Eddie the Head became Iron Maiden's unique advantage. As makers, we have to figure out how the things that we create are unique, surprising, or unexpected And the reason is human beings gravitate towards those things. They've always been like that. And if you think of the things that you take note of or that other people tell you about, it's always because there's something unique. There's a unique twist on something that makes you pay attention. This is exactly what my friends Tom and Dan did when they launched the Glyph on Kickstarter. You guys went pro really quick with the Glyph. Um, And was that... Primarily because of the Gruber effect? Is that really what, what t- happened? T- totally, yeah. It was... I mean, basically, we he linked it kind of within the first 24 hours of us launching it. And it was just, you know, like a total hockey stick thing. Uh, and then, you know, Gizmodo and all these others, you know, found it as a result of the Gruber post. So, yeah, I would see that was definitely the catalyst. So, if you want people to pay attention to what you're making... Make sure that what you're making is unique or at least that there's a unique story around it. Lesson number 4: Keep shipping. So Iron Maiden has done over 2000 live shows. They have 16 studio albums. They are always shipping. And you'd think, you know, they could have just lived off the success of that first album, but they kept making new albums. That is key for us as makers as well. We need to keep shipping, keep making new stuff, keep iterating. And related to that, lesson five, is to be persistent and adaptable. Iron Maiden's other big challenge in their career was that they didn't get any traditional media coverage, so they were ignored by radio and television. But despite this fact, they've been able to sell over 85 million records, So how did they do it? Well, instead of relying on mainstream media to tell their story, they toured a ton. They went to every single town and they shared their music with fans directly. They built fans in a grassroots way. And that's just an example of saying, okay, here's the obstacle. I'm not getting the coverage I want in the press or whatever. Well, what's another way to do that? Well, I could go directly to the fans. If I put on an amazing show in your hometown it's very likely I'll have a fan for life. All right. Today, our friends at Balsamic, uh, they're sponsoring this month of MegaMaker, asked us not to talk about their awesome wireframing tool, which I think, I hope you guys are already using anyway, but instead to share with you three makers that they love and that they think you'll love too. So you can look all these up on YouTube. The first is Colin Furs, an insane British maker that builds rocket-powered toilets and other crazy things. I will try to remove my socks with a rocket launcher! (laughs) The second is James from xrobots.co.uk, another British maker that 3D prints life-sized working Star Wars droids and Iron Man suits. I need to remove some steel brackets from the arms and make 3D printed ones for the elbow hinges... And hopefully we can rehang the whole suit and do another test, or at least with the torso, now the legs are sorted. And then finally we have Chris from Clickspring. He's an Australian watchmaker whose videos are really addictive. Listen to this. But I did a surprisingly good job and had no trouble cutting through the soft aluminium. In fact, it took out most of the waste stock in a single pass. So thanks again to Peldi and his team at Balsamic for sponsoring this month of Mega Maker. So, last episode, I teased you about something else that Marty and I would be working on this month. So, just to recap, we are launching two apps. One we've already launched. is called Network Effects. It's a broadcast SMS tool to build SMS lists, send out text messages, receive text messages... And that's out. And actually, just as an update, we have seven paying customers so far. So last week, it was three. This week, it's seven. And we're still talking to them about making the product better, what they're using it for. But what we wanted to do is we acknowledge that the way we started Network Effects, this first product, was not ideal. We started with a technology that we wanted to build on top of instead of starting with a group of people that have a particular problem. So we're going to be launching a second application, and I'm going to reveal that now. So the second web application we're going to be building is a reverse job board for remote workers. So if you are a telecommuter, you work remotely for a company, usually these folks work from home, and usually it's technology work, programming, design, things like that. Your biggest fear is losing that remote job because they're hard to find. And a lot of the folks that do work remotely have moved to smaller towns, smaller cities, and often remote workers aren't aware of the other opportunities that are available to them. And job boards expect you to go to them. But the idea with remote workers.club, that's the website, is that we bring great remote jobs to you. So imagine this, you're working at a remote job and you're happy with it. But One day you get an email from me that says, Hey Janice, I know you're really happy with your job right now, but you mentioned in your profile that if Seth Godin ever wanted to hire you, we should let you know. So I'm just letting you know that Seth Godin is interested in hiring you. From a remote worker's perspective, that's how it would work. You would get notifications whenever employers were interested in hiring you. And in so many ways, this idea is better suited for Marty and I. That what I like about this one is I know who the customer is and like that. Yeah, the Me, I'm the customer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're the customer. So for remote workers, this would look like or feel like having insurance or being a member of a professional association. You would pay $99 a year and you would have the peace of mind of knowing that if you lose your remote job or while you have your remote job, you'll get new opportunities sent to you. And that feels good when you're working to know that other people want to hire you. So we've just opened up the waiting list for RemoteWorkers.club. You can go to that URL, RemoteWorkers.club, and sign up on the waiting list. And you'll be the first to know when we launch. So if you're a remote worker or you're someone interested in remote work, go check that out. All the show notes for today can be found at megamaker.co slash 18. That will include links to those really cool makers uh, that Balsamic told us about. And talking about Balsamic, uh, they asked me not to do this, but it would mean a lot to me and the show if you go and try out their software. It's free to try. And if you like it, if you like making mock-ups and prototypes, if you have app ideas and you want to be able to show them to designers and developers... Go to Balsamic.com and use the code Megamaker when you decide to buy. And that lets them know that people have heard of them on the show. As always, theme music by striker-metal.com, podcast hosting by simplecast.fm, and I am the letter M, the letter I, Justin on Twitter. If you are listening right now, if you can hear my voice in your headphones, reach out to me on Twitter. Say, hey, Justin, listening to the show, and I'm from this country. Wanted to let you know. I really appreciate it. Bye. So, he not only made a burrito, so he went to, it was a local burrito place, right? Yeah, a local barbecue restaurant. Barbecue restaurant. And he convinced the owner that, hey, you should totally sell my burrito. And I want to just decimate your, your, your uh, current record for number of burritos sold. So he went in there, he had to... He had to prepare the burrito, decide what goes in it, make and so the whole burrito, and then teach the staff how to how to make the burrito. Do all this stuff, and they sold you sold eighty two of them, right? We sold eighty. Yeah, his previous record was like fifty two or something yeah. like that. Just just decimated. Is it still on the menu then? No, we only did it once. It's a lunch special, wow. and we only did it once. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done.